This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We're talking about Romans 5, so let's take a closer look. Let's do it. Now, I want to preface this. If you grew up in some kind of fundamentalism, that this text could possibly be triggering for you. Um... Because it's used in a lot of different fundamentalist traditions in a lot of different ways and in some pretty unhealthy ways Mm -hmm. um, at times. And that's really unfortunate because it is one of the most beautiful pieces of literature, like sections of literature um, in all of the ancient world. Yeah. It is, it is so beautifully and artfully written, um, and you just miss it if you, if you let those other things come back to you as you approach it now. Mm. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I, I struggle with it, too, even, even preaching the sermon, which I, I've only ever preached um, three sermons in my life on the book of Romans, and one of them I had to for a class. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's just a really, really, I mean, it's an exceptional piece of literature. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it is beautifully and masterfully written. Sure. Um, And Romans 5 is just like, it's beautiful. So look, it begins. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, And death came through sin. And so death spread to all because all have sinned. So you have this kind of sweeping generalization that sin has impacted every human being. And, And more so, I think what he is saying came into the world through one man, that sin has impacted all of reality. Sure. That it's not this. This is not just a uniquely human thing. This is a cosmos thing. Mm-hmm. Everything that God has touched, thing. Everything in creation has now been tainted by sin. Correct. Okay. And then he goes into grounding this in Judaism, because he says sin was indeed in the world before the law. The law is the epitome of being a faithful Jew. Like if you can uphold the law, you are a good Jew. And so the law is kind of the measuring stick for everything. But sin is not reckoned when there is no law. Yet death exercised dominion from Adam to Moses even over those whose sins were not like the transgressions of Adam, who is a type of the one who was to come. So sin has made this sweeping declaration across all of creation. 
And sin existed before the law, but the law becomes the measuring stick by which you are in need of grace. Sure. Because sin has had this effect on the world. And because sin has done this, death has reigned. Death has been king from Adam to Moses. Now, why why Moses? There's lots of people that come after Moses, Mm -hmm. but before Jesus. Why do you think Paul would stop at Moses? I don't actually know. Moses received the law. Mm. Moses is the kind of figure, if you need a person to represent like a stand-in for the metaphor of the law, it's Moses. Okay. And so Paul says, sins had this effect and the law's been there this whole time. And that Adam is a type of the one who was to come. So have you ever heard this I this thing called typology? Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so typology can take form in two different ways. Number one, typology is uh, used to talk about prophecy. Mm. So a type of prophecy that, or a prophecy that's fulfilled multiple times, typology. Typology is also figures um, in literature who do the same thing with different ends. Mm-hmm. Like they, they are the same figure, but doing different things and achieving different goals. They're a type. Verse 15. <clears throat> but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift in the grace of the one man Jesus Christ abounded for the many. So you have this beautiful reversal of realities that the past reality, the old reality is that Adam and sin have had dominion over the world. But (coughs) the free gift is different than the trespass. Because the many died through the one man's trespass, grace abounds all the more. Much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift and the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded. So, remember, what's our problem? Our problem in this book is death. Mm -hmm. Death is the thing we're fighting. This is like a climactic moment if you were reading this as a story. If death is what has dominion, then grace, the thing, the gift, the thing that alleviates the problem, the resolution to the issue is grace, and it abounds more than death. But death took everything, right? Mm -hmm. Verse 16, and the free gift is not like the effects of the one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brings justification. Mm. That is a beautiful wordplay in Greek. That is a beautiful prose in Greek. If because of the one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance 
of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So now we have Jesus as our second Adam. Mm -hmm. If Adam's a type, Jesus is the second Adam, and he does the same thing. Right. He, he has now made a way that death does not have dominion anymore, but life has dominion. Sure. And here's how he did it. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. Hmm. That's a beautiful statement. Yeah. Like, if you think about your world. Right. The only thing you've ever known is death. Right. Death is the only thing that happens around you. Mm -hmm. Everything dies. Now, in every death, there is experiences of life and resurrection. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there's something where death no longer has any say and that all of experience is life. That's one of the most beautiful statements ever. And that there's power in both. Because both happen through one man. Like these are such strong forces that they overtake the entire creation mm. through one man's act. Yeah. Now, verse 19 For just as by the one man's disobedience for the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. You have. The activity of one man, like these these forces are so strong that one man's sinful act of disobeying God radiates and impacts the entire world. And it's like a shotgun. It it spreads and expands and just the volume that it's containing has encompassed the entire world. Right. And yet, you have all this darkness, all this death. And one man can come right in the middle of it and literally soak in all of that darkness. And as he holds the darkness, he radiates light that now encompasses the entire world, taking all of the death yeah. on and in himself in order to extend this life. Mm. Adam and Jesus are types, but they're reversed in their cause and they're reversed in their results. Yeah. Adam's cause is he's tra trying to be like God. Right. That's a power move. Jesus' cause is he's actually trying to be like humanity. 
God has never died. Hmm. God himself gives up his godness in an attempt to be like humanity, Hmm. taking on the pain and suffering of humanity so that he can restore it back to life. The place where we were in when Adam, a type, chose to pursue power. The beauty of it, I mean, just the entire metaphor and the construct is, I'm fascinated by it, but the beauty is the great reversal. Right. And 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 that power is the 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 difference in the cause. Right. The the flip of the power structure. Right? Always. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what Jesus was all about. Mm-hmm. Was the flipping of power structures and the reversal of of power. And well, in pursuit of power. Right. Because <clears throat> right, Adam doesn't I mean Adam holds a little bit of power. He has dominion over the animals. Right. Um, I guess in some way Adam is the second most powerful being in existence, um, in at, existence at the time. And he wants to be like God. Right. He's trying to elevate his power status. Whereas Jesus is like, no, I'm, I'm giving it up. I'm not trying to be like God. I'm trying to be like humanity. Mm-hmm. And that's why deification is such a beautiful soteriology. Right. Because it operates according to the construct that God became man so that man might become like God. Right. Or man became, God became man so that man might become God. Right. Or gods. It's this great reversal. And so their causes are different in their typology. And with their causes being different, their results are different. The pursuit of power. Leads to death. Led Adam to corruption, sin, and death. Right. And... The relinquish the acts, of power. Yeah, the relinquish of power leads to life. Leads to life and that, grace. Yeah, that's... It's a, I've never thought about it that way, but that's a really interesting way to think about... Um, to think about this idea. And, and it, if you fit it into the narrative of Scripture, it absolutely works. Mm-hmm. Time and time again, you see the the... The, those that are in pursuit of power end up falling out of God's favor. Correct. Whereas on the opposite side, when you're giving up power, you tend to fall more into God's favor. Like mm-hmm. throughout the biblical narrative, this proves true time and time again. Would you agree? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even, even t- lots of times when they're in pursuit of power, they may not fall from power, but they fall from fellowship with God. Right. So, yeah, I would I would say that's true. I mean, like, I, my brain immediately goes to Saul, right? Yep, 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 yep. And then, and then even on to David, right? Um, uh, so, yep. Well, he's an example. He doesn't fall from power, but he falls from faithfulness or fellowship with God. Right. So, I, yeah. I guess that's a really interesting way to think about this. Well, it's just... I think one of the reasons that I am seeing it this way is, number one, because, I mean, I think that's what Paul is doing. I think that's what Paul is doing with his typology. I mean, this is... 
like, and this is something I want you to know when you approach the Bible. Like, I really don't think you should be like for the person that's intimidated to read the Bible. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I would love to just read this story. Read the story. I was having a conversation with someone, a friend of ours this week. Um, she had reached out to me on Instagram and told me she started listening to the podcast, mm. this one. And um, she had mentioned that she's kind of timid about reading the Bible because she doesn't like, she doesn't feel Feels like, like understand, understand it, it well yeah. or, or knows how to do it. And um, this can be one of those texts that people get intimidated by because there's so many different opinions on it. Right. I would just encourage you just read it like a story. Like, cause that's what Paul is doing in this letter specifically. This is a masterfully and artfully written piece of literature. Mm -hmm. And if you read it as such and stop approaching it with this other thing, God's going to communicate to you through it. Like sure. that, that's, you're going to receive truths from it. Yes. I, I think that's, I think that's very fair. Um, I would say though, if you're having a hard time reading it like a story, don't feel bad. No, yeah, right, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Sometimes that's not an easy thing to do, especially in texts like this. Correct, right, where the the language feels very um, uh, legal. You know, like oh, interesting. That's where your metaphor go. Like you're you make that up as a legal like construct. Kind of like that's how it reads to me. Huh. Um, to the layperson who doesn't understand Greek. And like have has not been able to study the original language. Yeah, this reads as like um, I say I say legal, but it maybe that's not the right. It reads very academic. Um, oh, that's probably true. Yeah, it reads like I would read um, like Plato or Aristotle or something like that. You know? What oh, I mean? yeah, just as an ancient text. Yeah. yeah, and it's very it's dense. Yeah, and so if. If you're having a hard time reading it that way, then it kind of makes sense. Yeah. No, and, I could totally see that. I could totally see that. But I think, and the point that I'm trying to communicate here in this conversation is that if you read it as a story or at least approach it that way, you'll easily see these parallels because they're just literary devices they're just literary tools that paul's using mm -hmm. and so you can kind of put this piece together and and i think that's where where the beauty of it all comes in is in the is in the truth that paul was speaking a people's faith in a people's language sure um and communicating it because we still use all the same literary devices and tools that they used back then. Right. And and exactly what you said. He's trying to communicate to the average person. Remember, Christianity is the religion for, for poor people. Christianity originated as the religion for the outcast. Right. Like, this is, this is for those who don't understand. Yeah. You know, like... And, and so that's what Paul is trying to communicate in ancient language. Mm -hmm. Um which backs up what he's talking about in this text. Yep. <laughs> right? He's giving you the actual he's he's giving you ways to interpret the story of Jesus yep. and and the Old Testament and he's explaining it to the church of Rome. 
Yeah, 100%. And to the people who do not have power. Correct. He is flipping the power structure and even just writing this and giving them ways to communicate this. Yep, yep. And it's just really interesting to me that of all the metaphors that Paul could have chosen, and he chooses a lot more as the book goes on and communicates uh, a lot more truth. Um, But I just think it's interesting that he chooses Adam to do this with when he very easily could have went in some other direction. I mean, Paul's a very smart guy. Sure. Very well-educated, very well-spoken, masterfully in the way he communicates. Paul could have easily found some way to do this play with Moses and the law. He was already talking about it. Sure, yeah. But Paul chooses to do it with Adam. And remember, anytime Paul refers to someone, he's recalling you to a larger story. Sure. The story in Genesis 3 is that with Adam... They wanted to be like God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you get God doing the exact opposite. Or maybe not the exact opposite, because maybe it's the ultimate God thing to do to not pursue power. Right. Even though being the most powerful being, maybe the most God thing you can do is not pursue power. Right. Um, at least that would be the truth of Jesus. And on this conversation, here's a little bonus mini mini sode for you. On this conversation about Paul recalling larger stories, this is a really critical text in a much larger conversation. Um, I I might say that it's one of the like kind of smoking guns in the conversation around complementarianism. Mm-hmm. Because everybody wants to point to the Timothy passage where Paul says, For I do not permit a man to have or a woman to have authority, to teach or have authority over a man, um, because Adam was made first, then Eve, and Eve sinned first, then Adam. Mm -hmm. That's a a little bit of a paraphrase. Yeah, but clearly that's not what Paul's talking about here. (laughs) Mm, No, not at all. Paul, at least here, in a much larger narrative, seems to think that Adam. Paul seems to think that. Sin entered the world through Adam. Yeah. Not Eve. Yeah. I mean, he even says that word. He says... The sin entered the world through one man. Sin entered the world through one man. Yeah. Very clearly, Paul seems to think that Adam sinned first. Um, but, yeah. Um, Paul clearly seems to think that Adam sinned first. And in Paul's larger conversations about women and women in ministry and women teaching, like in 1 Corinthians, Paul doesn't seem to have any qualms. There's, There's zero problem with women praying and prophesying and being in these positions as Paul goes about his life and meets women and talks about women you know i've said this before these names in paul's writings they're not just people we don't know anything about right 
we actually know quite a bit about most of them. Yeah. Um, and based on what Paul says about them, we can also pretty clearly identify their roles in the churches in the ancient world. They're women. Yeah. Leading these churches and doing these things. Um, to, to all the ladies, uh, and I saw this on Instagram, um, I'm not sure I've ever been guilty of doing this, but without thinking about it, I'm sure I could have said this at one time, but I saw something on Instagram and it said, if, if you say, uh, yeah, we allow women to speak, that's not actually affirming women. Yeah. I mean, I don't don't think we've ever said that. I don't think I've ever said that, but it made me a little self-conscious because we in the adverse we always say they don't allow women to speak. What we always say, and I'm actually very careful with this language, I think, is we want to hear the voices of women. Right? Yeah. Um but I am guilty of saying things like I want to give you your voice back. Oh yeah, yeah. Which still I mean it means that we hold power now right, and right, right, right. are trying to give it back, but I just want to like I want to cl- like I felt a little self-conscious about it because I was like, I don't think I've ever said that, but we always talk about in the adverse, like they don't allow women to speak. So in one of my rants, it could be very easy for me to go, we allow women to speak, right? Like just as the contrary. So that's not how I feel. But ladies, I do think this text... um, Kind of affirms your. I, I think church. this text screams affirmation in your direction. Yeah. Um, because it really does. I don't. I, this is always one of my main arguments whenever I get into the egalitarian complementarian discussion. Mm-hmm. This is one of the main texts that I go to because well, it's the smoking gun. That, yeah. Because like, well, because it's the easy one to go to because everybody on the other side wants to go to the Timothy passage, right? To restrict women right and this one and the the entire cause there which i got i got two 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 comments on that text one of them is just a really stupid argument that i'm sorry this is one of the reasons i don't think paul wrote those letters because paul would never write such a stupid argument his first argument is that adam is older right He's like, Adam's made well, for that's us. that's just a dumb Well, argument. Eve can't control that. That yeah, uh, Who cares about a, that? Yeah. Like, no, that doesn't mean anything. And if you read Rome, I mean, Genesis 1, they're made together. They're yeah. not. that. So it's just like the whole thing. I'm like, no, this is stupid. Yeah. Then the second one is that Eve sinned yeah. and then Adam. Yep. Which Paul does not seem to think here. Yeah. It, it seems to be that. Quite the contradiction, if we're being honest. Um, so it it does. When when I get into that kind of debate or conversation, I always go to this text, and nobody can ever say anything because you're like, <laughs> yeah. If, if your argument is that Eve sinned first, which is where lots of people like to go because yep. of the First Timothy passage. Very, you, I mean, what do you do? Yeah, there's not really a great argument in response to this one. No. Uh, if you go there. So, like, ladies, I, I would be I, I would be doing a very big disservice if I did not note that. 
I, I was waiting for you to get I, when when we started reading the text, and I was like, oh, well, there's that, there's that, there's yeah, that, yeah. and I was like, I'm sure he's gonna wrap back around. I gotta wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it it just it would be against our culture for me to not take an opportunity when I see one to affirm women. Um, sure. And so, there you go, ladies. Have at it. You you are not the cause of sin being brought into the world, according to the Apostle Paul. Yeah.